The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. And TheGorillaPosition.com, telling the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and a proud part of the Roy Network. So presented by the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. We are sponsored by CollarAndElbowBrand.com, where you can get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout. So in partnership with HypeCityVapors.com, where you can get 15% off all of your e-juice for your vape by using promo code JKPODCAST. Also, our newest sponsor, Silly Rabbit Vape Shop, located Right there where Carl's in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. You can mention Turnbuckle Talk for a discount on all of your vape juice and hardware. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TB Talk Pod. You can listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and all those other podcatchers. As always, I'm Big Joe. I'm Carl Carafel. All right, Carl. Another week has come and gone in the role of professional wrestling. We have the bat. This episode is going to be a little bit later than usual. It's only going to be uh, one day later than our normal release time. So for those expecting an episode on Tuesday, life gets in the way a little bit sometimes. This is literally probably the first week uh, where our schedules just didn't kind of jive to record our usual time. So, And if you guys are following us on our social media, you'll see that we actually did put <clears throat> out a post letting everyone know yeah. that this episode will be a little bit later we apologize for that, but I know that everybody is going to kind of understand that, yes, life happens and gets in the way. And sometimes, unfortunately, we we do our podcast in the moment. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can't really sit there and, and do three weeks worth of, of shows because, <laughs> well, we don't know what's going to happen three weeks into the future. Bingo. So yeah. it makes it a little hard sometimes, but. You got your podcast. Yeah, for sure. And, and those who have been following us for a while, too, uh, know that occasionally I mean, we'll, we'll finish recording and I'll be in that in-between to editing process and then some kind of big news will drop and then <laughs> and we miss it on talking about that. That hasn't happened in a little while, but uh, it has uh, happened previously. Yes. <clears throat> so we're going to kind of... I, I, we're not going to glaze over some certain things, but there's certain things that we might not kind of hit on because some time has kind of passed. But, you know, of course, we are part of the Hitting uh, the Marks Network, so you can go listen to Jargo and whatnot. And they've been covering a lot of the G1 and whatnot. And, of course, the AEW stuff. But I thought we'd hit on a little bit to just kind of get an overview on, on a couple ones that uh, stood out. Let's start with AEW Fight for the Fallen. This was a pretty solid show overall. <clears throat> I will let everybody know that I... I have a copy of it, but I have not fully seen the pay-per-view yet. Mm -hmm. So any issues that happened, whether it was production-wise, lighting-wise, sound-wise, I am not aware of that stuff right now. I am aware of the winners, the losers, and I'm aware of a lot of other people's takes on the show itself. So that's what I'm going to be basing my stuff on. Yeah. 
little bit out of the norm, but that's how I have to do it this week. Yeah, for sure. It, it was a really good solid show just uh, from, from front to back. I mean, this is still a very new company. This is something we've got to take into, into account. I can be a lot more forgiving for a lot of this kind of stuff as opposed to WWE who's been around for 25 or more plus years doing production. That's the big difference here that I think a lot of people are kind of ignoring and saying, well, oh, you're, you're kind of not noticing this with AEW and you're giving them a pass just because it's them. No, like I said, they're very, very new. Comparing them to WWE is really like comparing apples to oranges a lot of times. So that's something that you've got to keep in mind with this, that uh, we can't be that critical of them yet just because they there's just not enough to work with to be critical of yet. That's right. I mean, I mean it's... <laughs> you know? It's it's difficult to be able to to try to compare AEW to really anything right now mm-hmm. because every other company out there yep. is has been established for a while now. Mm-hmm. We're looking WWE has been established like fifty years. WWE has been around, right? You're looking Ring of Honor has been around for I would say a good twenty twenty five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Impact Wrestling in some form, whether it was with uh, NWA. TNA, Impact, whatever, has been around for a good 15 years. Uh, mm-hmm. Even New Japan Pro has been around for, like, ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even some of these other companies that are up and coming, like MLW, they've been around for a while. They've been around longer than AEW has. Absolutely. So right now it's hard to compare AEW to anything except comparing them to themselves mm-hmm. as a growing company. Yeah, absolutely. So I think probably they did a little bit of a, like I said, they don't really call it a pre-show or a kickoff like WWE. It's called a, a buy-in. I think the, the most notable one at the beginning was uh, Sonny Kiss uh, versus Peter Avalon, uh, one of the quote, quote, librarians. First time for me seeing Sonny Kiss one-on-one inside that ring. I got to say, uh, very interesting. The, the dude's very athletic. We're right off the bat. He is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, like, there's nothing more that you can really say about Sonny Kiss other than yep. an amazing talent that needs to be showcased more. Yeah, absolutely. My only little critique of there is uh, the way that that match finished, the, the, that finisher that he does. It's uh, basically, he comes up to, uh, I believe it's the top of the middle turnbuckle and does a splits and kind of lands on the guy. Mm-hmm. My only concern with that is repeatability of that as a, as a finishing move. And there's a lot of, uh, there's very little room for error and uh, a high probability of injury there. That's my only critique of that match. If that is his finisher going forward, needs to be worked on a little bit. <clears throat> I I kind of have to agree, uh, but I don't agree at the same point. I mean, Sonny Kiss has been around for a while. Mm-hmm, absolutely. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. This is something that he's done for quite a while. I think that, that that he's pretty much perfected the move with him doing it. We can't say what's going to happen on the other end with the uh, opponent that he has. Right. But I think that, that going forward, th- there could be good longevity from this because For he sure. knows how to do the move properly. For sure. So, but there is a difference between doing this at a relatively small event like this or at an independent show as opposed to when the big lights of TNT drama TV come on and the pressure's on and there's a lot more people watching. That is where that will be either made or broken. 
Very much so. So Very much so. It is. That's one of those things time will tell when it comes to that. Now, the other match that was kind of a surprise in the pre-show, we had Bia Priestley and... I am notoriously bad at these Japanese names, but I will definitely try Shoko Nakajima. I think I actually got that. Versus Dr. Britt Baker and Riho. Um, this was an interesting match. Um, a lot of kind of missed kind of spots and borderline some botches. Uh, Britt apparently suffered a, actually a, a pretty significant uh, concussion in the match and at one point was confused about what corner to go to. So that was a little bit concerning. One of their, their top stars, possibly uh, a significant injury coming out of this. From what we're hearing, yes, there has been an injury that's come out of this with uh, Dr. Britt Baker, mm-hmm. uh, DMD. Um, yes, that is actually all legit for those of you who don't know. She is a, she's a dentist. Mm-hmm. She is she has the medical degree. She, she is a doctor. Yep. She practices yep. dentistry. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we see a lot of this nowadays and we're see, uh, and, and it's, I can't say that it's unfortunate, but they all know the risks mm-hmm. and we know the risks and we know what we're seeing and how things are going. And we know that injuries happen Yep. with this. We're seeing a lot more quicker recoveries from injuries happening in the independent scene. Mm-hmm. WWE is sort of taking their time with things and kind of, yeah. um, you know, take, taking their time and, and, and giving these people, you know, months to, to recover and recoup when sometimes they don't need all of that time. Yeah. But I think we're going to see Britt come back quicker than people are expecting. Mm-hmm. Some other kind of standout ones, we had Brandy Rhodes versus Allie in a, in a singles match. Uh, awesome Kong actually ended up coming out as well with, with Brandy. Now, this was a bit of an odd one. It just it, it felt like just the two people working the match, uh, Brandy and Allie, it felt very kind of disjointed, and uh, it wasn't a whole lot of substance there. And uh, Brandy obviously was some ring rust because it's been a while. So it was, it was one of kind of those weird matches. Allie, again, you know, we had that issue of the character. Who and what is she? Because uh, outside of Impact, it's a little bit tough because she was kind of that doing the, the whole Demon Bunny thing with uh, Rosemary and Impact. And now she's over in AEW and the character hasn't really been defined there. So there's still some work to do on both ends here with this one. Yeah, there definitely is. Um, I mean, for Allie, I'm going to speak for... Uh, in this 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 situation, mm-hmm. I don't think that she needs to really do anything more. I mean, f- for me personally, mm-hmm. she's done the demon bunny thing. She did, you know, she she's had all of these different things that she's done uh, in different companies. Why can't she just be Allie? Why do we? Why are we expecting to see more from her as as a character? When mm-hmm. I think all we need is just Allie, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, you get some, and and I know that this is a really bad comparison, but you get people like Scott Hall, yeah, right, who was Razor Ramon and did great for himself as Razor Ramon. But when he became himself, Scott yeah. Hall, it was just that much more. Same exactly. with Kevin Nash, going from Diesel to Kevin Nash. Just being himself became 
that much more. Yeah. I want to see Allie just be Allie and become that much more. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple other ones that, uh, that stood out. Uh, Adam Page versus Kip Sabian. Um, of course, Page is going to be facing... Uh, Chris Jericho at All Out for the to crown the first very very first AEW champion. This is a good match. My only critique with this is that with with Paige being the number one contender for the AEW title, gave they gave Kip Sabian just way way too much offense. The, I wouldn't say that this should have been a squash match, but Paige should have gone over strong in this match, and it was very much even. So that that's my only. They put on a really good match. It's and it's very typical Adam Page where it's a it's a long general back and forth thing, but your number one contender should be much stronger than that. That's my only c- critique with that match. Other than that, I'm fine with it. Well, we know that that Adam Page is going to be going up against Chris Jericho for the AEW Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they've gone about this a good way. You've got somebody in, in, in Kip Sabian who who is a star. He definitely he is, but not very many people know him, mm-hmm. right? And then you've got Adam Page. Now, everybody pretty much knows Adam Page. Cool, great. So now we've got these two guys here who are kind of kind of neck and neck when it comes to everything. Like, this is just a building process to now, if Adam Page goes and beats Jericho, mm-hmm. who who is like... 13 steps above Adam Page. Yeah. Right? Then that's just opening up more opportunity for somebody like Kip Sabian to be able to come in and go, I took you to the limit once before. Mm-hmm. Let's try this again now for the title. So I think it was it was a good idea for them to do that because it kind of keeps Adam Page not on a lower echelon, but kind of keeps him at yeah. a uh, at an, uh, a level with everyone else and isn't really throwing him out there and making him this huge superstar right out the bay. True. Yeah. Like I said, the only thing that is there uh, keeping, if we're looking at it from a KFA perspective, when you see Paige having, you know, what you could uh, perceive as a difficult time beating Kip Sabian, you know, the perception then is, well, he stands no chance against Chris Jericho. That's the only problem with going about with a kind of a 50-50 match like this. Yeah, and I, I totally get that. And, I mean, I definitely know that some people are, are thinking of it that way. Mm-hmm. I get it. Um, I'm seeing it just a little bit of a different perspective now. I'm seeing, like, this yeah. could be this could be a huge rise for Adam Page because he was now taken to the limit by, by who? By Kip Sabian? Yeah. By who? Mm-hmm. Right? And then for him to go in there and beat Jericho... Like that's that's a that's a huge thing. Like sure. holy crap, we didn't expect this at all because he was just neck and neck with Kip Sabian, mm-hmm. and now he's overcome all of this and now beaten Jericho. And it's like holy crap, this is now a contender, and we need to watch this guy. So, little way just to kind of build adam page to being that top echelon i'm curious to see how it plays out because you know they've stated they're very much going for an approach where wins matter and whatnot so it'll be interesting to see how this all kind of plays out it's a real opportunity for aw to really kind of stand out against the competition and make and if they want to go for more of that sports or legitimate sport kind of a feel this is where they can kind of capitalize that that so it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out and you know time will tell we'll see what happens when we get to all out 
Um, I, I do, I do want to just touch on something quickly here because mm-hmm. you, you kind of just mentioned something about um, AEW doing something to kind of stand out. Yes. Right. Um, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but I've kind of noticed that in every, every show that they've done so far, mm-hmm. um, the lack of like disqualifications. Yes. Yeah. Noticed that. So, yeah, I, I have too. And there are times and opportunities where definitely there should have been disqualifications that happened. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they're kind of being a little bit laxed with that yeah. and maybe kind of allowing more of that real fight feel mm-hmm. to happen, which I think is something as well that could really set them apart. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. I'm actually kind of glad because it's something we've touched on before You know, when it comes to referees and matches and doing this kind of thing. You, know, you can make the argument and buries the the purpose of even having a referee. So it, it'll be interesting to see uh, as we kind of progress forward how they kind of define uh, the referee in AEW because if you can just occasionally get away with disqualifications and not during certain times, you know, th- then the whole thing can kind of fall apart a little bit. So they need to clearly define that going forward as well. You're right, they do. At some point, they need to clearly define yeah. their intentions with that entire thing. Because <laughs> um, otherwise, I, we get like this stuff kind of in, in, in WWE. It's one of those things that, that oh, it irks me when you have like no disqualification match and when you get that spot where the person getting the pin or the submission or whatever and, and then they put their foot on the rope and then the referee asks for it to, to break the hold. I'm like, this shouldn't happen in a no disqualification match. You know, it's one of those things that just, it, I know it may seem minor to the most people there, but it's something that makes my head want to explode when I see it, you know? So we, we don't want that kind of stuff to happen here either. Yeah, you're right. A clear <laughs> definition of the role is in order. Yeah, for sure. So the uh, other couple matches that uh, really kind of stood out here, Kenny Omega versus uh, Omega, sorry, versus uh, Shima. Awesome. Two great, great experienced guys. We mentioned uh, Shima's been around for a while. He was in, in uh, WCW back in the day. So uh, a great solid, ma- solid match with those two guys. And yeah, Kenny Omega getting the win there. And uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see what uh, he's going to do at All Out. My biggest question for you is, did you expect anything else? Honestly, uh, now that, that I've actually looked more into into SEMA, I, I was almost kind of on the fence a little bit. I thought it could go either way. I, I was, uh, I won't say I, I was surprised, but, uh, you know, I would have been cool with either guy getting the win. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I don't mean about yeah. wins or losses here. Yeah. I mean in quality of the match. Oh, no, I wasn't surprised right? at all. No. Yeah, like yeah. 22 minutes oh. these guys went out 22 there. 22 and a half, yeah. Right? Yeah, like, did you expect anything else coming <laughs> from these two guys Absolutely except not. a great match? No. Absolutely not. And, of course, then to wrap up the evening, we had the Young Bucks versus the Brotherhood, as they, they call them with uh, Cody and Dustin. It was a great match. Um, it brings up a bit of a bigger issue. You know, when we saw it, at all in and we've seen it kind of here with this show as well that they as a company and when it comes to being on tv or pay-per-view or whatnot they they really need to start managing their time because we clearly had that issue here of where we we had some momentum going with this match and it was like okay oh we need to wrap this up and then even when they were doing the after the match type thing they it was a very awkward transition to when they did the whole check presentation for the uh 
uh, for the, the cause that uh, this was all for. And it, it felt really kind of disjointed there. It was like they, they got to a certain point and they're like, oh, we almost forgot to do this thing at the end. It, it was uh, they, they need, going forward, if they're going to keep doing this kind of thing, learn to manage your time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, for yeah. those who don't know, this match actually went 31 minutes. Yeah. Um, all the matches, because we didn't we didn't cover and talk about all the matches. No. But all of the matches on the card, you're looking. It was about 160 minutes, mm-hmm. right? Which, been on the long side, yeah. Yeah, it is a little bit on the long side. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, a little bit better time management. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, okay, I'm gonna throw this out there because I know other people are are thinking it just like I am. <laughs> yeah. Um. I want to see good professional wrestling. Yes, absolutely. And this is what this is. This is good professional wrestling. No doubt. So if I'm seeing 20-minute matches between good competitors in a good wrestling match, Mm -hmm. I don't care how long it is. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's going to come up. I know know people are going to be messaging me going, oh, but, you know, (laughs) it might have been 160 minutes, but it was all good stuff. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I totally get it. It was and such I good. Feel the exact same way. Yeah. But sometimes, especially if you're going, you've got this television deal that's coming in, mm-hmm. you're going to have to learn how to manage the time to stick within those television guidelines. For sure. Because this is something that not only us, but other podcasters heavily criticize WWE for is that commercial break cutting off in a match and coming back. Right, because especially if you want to go for that legit sports feel, you can't be cutting away during matches because, especially if it's a title match, what if the pin, what if a pinfall happens during the commercial break and you come back and then you see somebody standing in a ring holding the belt and you're going, well, what happened? You guys went to a commercial break, right? So it just it brings up a lot of problems. Yeah. So yeah. But overall, a great thing, you know, not without the issues, you know, production-wise, there was an issue with uh, closed captioning coming up out of nowhere. That was very, very bizarre. A lot of people stream dropping if you're watching on Bleacher Report. So there were some issues, but keeping in mind, this is when, this isn't going to be a permanent thing. The Bleacher Report thing isn't going to be happening all the time, as far as I know. So, um, of course, the TV stuff is going to be on cable. So I'm I'm sure that they're going to bring in some experienced people to help uh, avoid these kind of issues, or at least I'm hoping so. Yeah, I hope so as well. (laughs) So overall, a great thing, like, like you had mentioned, a lot of great professional wrestling, which at the end of the day is what I enjoy watching. And you know what was cool about this entire thing? Mm-hmm. They didn't need to use specific names. No. Yeah. Right? Like, they didn't need to use John Moxley. No. And they made, I'm sure, enough to cover absolutely everything. Because people went and bought tickets. So. Yep. So, I mean, people got to see it for free. On like Bleacher Report Live, yeah. But and... people went and actually paid for tickets, and they paid for merchandise, and they paid for all of this stuff, mm-hmm. and they didn't need the name of John Moxley no. to be on that card for them to successful. Mm. It was which a... is something that we kind of. I know myself. I kind of yeah. I was like, uh, are they going to run with you know? We have this former WWE star right now, and we yeah. need to use him continuously to you know get our name out there. 
they proved that they don't have to do that. Yeah, kind of blessing in disguise because uh, he's overworking in New Japan right now. And, mm-hmm. and too, with, with that venue there too, that uh, and the way that it was uh, that was shot, the way it was filmed, it looked really cool too. It, the presentation of it was very nice. Nice, that good. That we'll say about it. So going from that to. A little bit of extreme rules. I figured we'd talk a little bit about that too. Uh, in general, what are you thinking about this show uh, as a whole? I, honestly, they're they're starting to step things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's hard. It's it's very hard, especially now. Like you've got all this other great wrestling that is out there, so WWE is ha- almost having to reinvent things for themselves. Yep. Right, and we we we've kind of seen a little bit of this, little bit of change now that Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff are there, kind of, kind of doing lead roles. Um, but yeah, like I mean, I'm I'm okay with with this stuff that's happening right now. Am I okay with absolutely everything? No, definitely not. And and that's just the critical side of me. Mm-hmm. But I, I I'm okay with this pay per view. Mm-hmm. The only two big things that I want to kind of touch on is the first one right at the top. Shinsuke Nakamura versus Finn Balor for the Intercontinental Championship mm-hmm. on the freaking pre-show. Oh, that bugs me, yeah. Carl. That bugs me. Like we mentioned before, as, as Canadian professional wrestling fans, we almost feel like this is almost kind of one of our titles. And to see it just on a pre-show... Ugh, leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, I'm totally cool with 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 the win and and all that kind of stuff. And it, this wasn't even a, really a scheduled match either. It was just kind of thrown in at the last minute on the pre-show. Ooh, that bugs me. Yeah, and, and especially <laughs> considering the two names that are there, Shinsuke Nakamura and Finn Balor. Yeah, these two guys are talents that could go out there and do a half hour match and keep mm-hmm. everybody engaged. And this match was less than eight minutes. Yeah, so yeah, a bit of a bummer there. Now, the other one is right at the end of the evening after Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch defeated Barrett Corman and Lacey Evans. The expected thing kind of happened. And, and this brings up another thing, too, because I, I, I was really surprised that as many people were surprised and shocked that this happened, that Brock Lesnar cashed in the money in the bank to beat Seth Rollins for that Universal Championship. I, I was more more than that happening. I was more shocked that people were shocked by this. Well, I, honestly, I was even shocked by this because no? they for right after he won money or took took money in the bank. Yeah, because he technically did. He wasn't even part of the match and technically nope. didn't win. He just took it. Yep. Right, which I was okay with. Mm. Cool, love it. He's the beast incarnate. Let him do what he's got to do. But they kept teasing. They kept teasing it and teasing it and teasing it. Yep, it's going to be Monday. Yep, it's going to be Tuesday. Yep, Mm -hmm. it's going to be this pay-per-view. Yep, it's going to be here. Yep, it's going to be there. And then it never happened. Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of was like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's going to happen when it happens. I don't even care now. So then when it happened here, I was like, oh. Oh, wait, they they finally did it. Nice. But earlier in the show... Paul Heyman came out and said that he was going to cash in. So, like, the, the, the spoiler early happened previously in the show. He, he said, Brock's going to cash in tonight. And then it happened. But, but he had done that 
before as well. Mm-hmm. He did that on Monday Night yep. Raws. He did that on Tuesday Night Smackdowns, or sorry, Smackdown Lives. Yeah, Smackdown Lives. He did that for other pay-per-views, right? So mm-hmm. it was just, a, it was like lip service. It was like, okay, whatever. Yep. Yeah, he says he's going to. We'll see if it happens or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even care. But then when yeah. it actually happened, it was like, oh, oh yeah. man, it actually happened. Yeah. Now, I'll be, uh, I'll change my tune if he does the unbrock Lesnar thing now. And, and, and he doesn't need to be on weekly television on Raw or SmackDown all the time, but he needs to start being a regular at the pay-per-views now. Otherwise, we're going down the same path that we had before, that we did before, with him holding that title and not being around. You're right. And I mean, I. I am still a firm believer in the 30-day rule. Mm-hmm. Even though technically there is no 30-day rule well, anymore. Well, there should be. <laughs> there should there be, should right? Be, damn it. Yeah. Right. yeah. I am a firm believer in that 30-day rule, <laughs> and that's what I would like to see. At least Lesnar there defending the Universal Championship title belt at least – once every 30 days. You could even turn it into a storyline if you want to. This is where my kind of mind kind of kicks in here. If, if you want to go this route, turn it into a storyline. You could call it the Brock Lesnar rule, where it, it, if 30 days has eclipsed, you have to give up that title because it's the Brock Lesnar rule. You can even write into a storyline. It almost writes itself. Yeah. There's your idea, WWE. Give me my money. <laughs> give me my money. Okay. Oh, they, they haven't given us the money from the other ideas. They've stolen a lot of our ideas, months. damn it. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of which, another little uh, uh, topic here that uh, kind of deals with WWE and a, a talent that some talents that were actually really close to signing. And of course, I'm talking about the Young Bucks. Of course, who are going to be uh, well, they're they're signed to AEW. They're going to essentially be exclusive, at least in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, they were really, really close to signing with WWE, Carl, and I mean really close. Tell me, Joe, how close were they? <laughs> they basically had the contract signed when they were approached by Cody and the, and the cons with AEW. And then they heard the concept and they were just like, we need to go do this instead. We're going to have all of this kind of free. We're essentially going to be helping run the company. And that was just way more attractive um, to them going forward. And I give them props for going that direction as, as opposed to just the big paycheck in WWE. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give them total props for that. Me as well. That was going to be my next question for you is, yeah. do you think that they made the right decision Absolutely. by sticking with their friend and mm-hmm. going with AEW instead of going to the WWE? Absolutely. And, you know, does that completely rule out them ever being in WWE in the future? Of course not. And like we always say, never say never. But this is going to be their home. Yeah, it definitely will be. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll be curious to see, you know, outside, because I would imagine their contracts are probably fairly similar to Moxley and Jericho, to where essentially in North America they'll be exclusive to AEW, but that doesn't rule out uh, Japan or or the UK or anything like that. So some interesting things could happen, especially with the UK, because we know a lot of uh, WWE NXT UK guys, you know, do stuff with Progress, Evolve, and a lot of stuff that kind of crosses over, you know, so... Yeah, it'd be interesting that there could be some WWE versus Young Buck stuff happening kind of under the radar. So there's always a chance for some cool stuff, especially over in that part of the world. That's right. And honestly, I hope it does happen. Mm-hmm. It'd be very cool to see like a revival versus the Young Bucks or something like that. Maybe they could do oh, something yeah. like an Evolve or who knows. Oh, yeah. So another thing here that um, is coming up as a potential again. I, when, I, when I first saw us and saw some, um, you know, some whispers about this, uh, it's coming up all over the place now. 
this possibility of Undertaker versus Sting at some point, whether it be at WrestleMania or whatever. Um, do you think that this is uh, something that should happen? Now, now we, more time has gone by, and we've had time to digest the the more recent stuff Undertaker's done. I I still want to see it. Yeah, definitely, I do. This this is a dream match of epic proportions right now, uh, and and I mean. So you you kind of you told me that you didn't fully watch Extreme Rules, but you did see majority of Extreme Rules. I did. Tell me how did the Undertaker look with tagging with Roman Reigns? He looked a lot better than he did against Goldberg. That I, I will say. In a ta- okay. in a tag team match is the proper environment for a legend like that, where he doesn't have to do it all. Definitely. Now, do you think that this is just WWE letting Taker come in mm-hmm. and work some matches and get ring rust off yeah. to be able to set up for the two of these guys yeah. to go head to head? Yeah, uh, I, I'm perfectly cool with, with the Undertaker. My main concern here is with Sting because he's not doing anything that, that that injury was almost essentially a career ending injury my, my my concern is for him for sting um we could have another goldberg situation on our hands where he comes in and just looks terrible that's the main problem that i see okay so first don't ever compare Sting to Goldberg. <laughs> ever. I know. I know. Um, Just saying. Sting definitely is a much more professional person. Well, I hear you. He will definitely do whatever is needed to ensure that he is in shape and has all of the ring rust off of him mm-hmm. before he goes into a big match like this. So... Whereas Goldberg, not saying that he doesn't have that mentality as well, but Goldberg was always just that big guy who went in there, 30 seconds, squash match, done, move on, who's next? Mm -hmm. That was always Goldberg. Whereas Sting had to actually go and fight for absolutely everything and worked amazing matches in WCW. Mm -hmm. He has that mentality, that old school mentality of, if I'm going out there... I need to make sure that I'm at 100% to do this. And I don't think that Sting would go into it not being 100%. That's that's my main thing, and I hope that... Because, uh, I mean, there's no doubt that mentally and, you know, in the guy's heart, there's still obviously the desire and the want. The real question mark is, is your body going to be able to physically back up that? You know, and I just hope that if the answer to that is no, that he will say no to the match and, and not just do it for the paycheck or, or, or whatnot, because then, dude, it's another guy that we just don't want to see him go that way. You're right. You're right. But deep in my heart, I, I believe that that is not how Sting would do it. No, especially, you know, of course, emphas- most infamously with uh, his match with Jeff Hardy over in uh, what used to be TNA. And we know that whole thing. And we do know that Sting is a very much a consummate professional. And I would just yeah. hope that, you know, if this is a, a planned thing, that if he just is not physically able to do it, he'll just say no. 
I would, I would much rather that, or, or maybe even have him be like a, in some type of manager. If he wants to be part of a, some kind of a match with somebody else, like maybe if they want to do Taker versus Abyss or something, and maybe Sting can be, uh, you know, with Abyss, maybe have a little spot or something. I'd be cool with something like that, as opposed to him going in there and tarnishing his legacy because he can't work in the ring anymore. I, I, I would agree with that. If he cannot work, Big I up. hope he says no. So going from that, um, maybe not the greatest segue in the world, but uh, recently there's been some issues. There's been some issues, you know, mainly with one person in particular, but I mean, this has happened a lot in the history of the business. Wrestlers getting into personal trouble outside of the ring curl. And I know this is a, a pretty broad topic, and it could actually qualify as a showstopper segment at, at some point. Um, what goes on with this kind of stuff? I, I know, I know, it's a really broad question. There's no right or wrong answer here. But what happens to these guys that are seemingly on top of the world, and then this, you know, they they get caught drunk driving, or or their lives just fall apart. Like I, these people are seemingly on top of the world, and then just it's gone, or something really terrible happens. Pain, injury, yeah. and pressure. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Um. I had addiction problems when I was wrestling. I was in so much pain that I needed to have pain medication in my system Mm 24-7. I used to drink heavily because it felt good and I didn't have my pain. Mm -hmm. And just the pressure of... Not not necessarily for myself because I never had these pressures, but somebody like Jeff Hardy, he is very distinctive in who he is mm-hmm. with his beard, his features, the way he he moves, the way he act, like who Jeff Hardy is, very distinctive. Like you walk down the street and he's walking a hundred yards in front of you, you know that that's Jeff Hardy. Yes, right. So the pressure of having to be Jeff Hardy everywhere you go. Really, I'm sure, wears on you so much that you just need, at times, to release all of that and say, I can't be Jeff Hardy right now, mm-hmm. or I can't be, like some of these other ones, Scott Hall, Jake Roberts, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, I can't be this person right now, I need to be somebody else, and get away from all of this, and that's their release. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for me... Uh- if you follow me on social media, you know that I posted this uh, thing that came up. And uh, very own Rick Vickery from the Hitting the Marks uh, Pro Wrestling Podcast, I thought, were this very well. And this would be pretty much my own take on this, uh, his comment. Uh, not going to say anything bad. Proof that when you're not doing what you love, you fall into terrible habits. And I, I think that that's really telling because Jeff hasn't been on TV a whole lot, hasn't been really had a chance to showcase. And this very well could be... You know, because this is what where this topic is stemming from. It was just popping up in the news, and I think yeah. uh, our own Rick there worded it very well. And I think that that's likely kind of what happened here: not getting to do what they love and falling into those bad habits. I, I guarantee that's probably what happened. Yeah, I mean, again, like I was saying about the the pressure of everything, right? Like mm-hmm. he's going out everywhere, and people are like, "It's Jeff Hardy! It's Jeff Hardy! It's Jeff Hardy! It's Jeff Hardy! It's Jeff Hardy!" Jeff Hardy. Mm-hmm. And he's going, "But I'm not in the ring." I'm not Jeff Hardy. Yeah. Right. So because he's not able to be Jeff Hardy in the ring, doing what he loves to do and entertaining these people that are going, Oh my God, look, it's Jeff Hardy. 
you fall into other habits. For sure. Yeah. Okay, Carl, before we go to our showstopper segment, we have one more thing that I wanted to talk about here. And this is just one I thought up on, on the fly here. Um, for a long time, when we were watching professional wrestling, mainly WWE, we had our we had our big shows. We had WrestleMania, we had SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, and Survivor Series. Um, I think you could not in that particular not order. in that particular just just naming the four. <laughs> um, WrestleMania, of course, still you know the the main show of the year. Uh, yeah. Royal Rumble still you know fairly prestigious. So the last couple of years, it's it's been a little sketchy, but. SummerSlam and Survivor Series don't feel like two of those big four marquee matches or a show, sorry shows every year. What can be done to get those two shows back up to the prestigious level that they were before? Now, I, I know another big general kind of question there, but uh, yeah, what do you I think? would I would have to agree with you that Survivor Series lost in the shuffle. Yeah, it really does not feel like that classic Survivor Series big show anymore. No. To rectify that, I think that they need to actually allow storyline of guys coming together as a collective group and mm-hmm. doing these five-on-five Survivor Series matches yep. and making storyline out of it, not just throwing people together and going, yeah, okay, go out there and do this match now. And yep. you know, then the next week it's like, yeah, okay, everybody's back to being normal again. Yep. No, build on it. For for a while, they didn't even have that that traditional survivor series things. It was just like yeah. an, another paper with matches, and they they completely forgot about what that what the DNA of that event was. It was the the matchup of these groups that throughout the course of the year would would, would clash and be like, okay, now it's time to get it on to have a match, right? That's what that was always about. And then they lost sight of that. You know, we saw a little bit of it again, you know, in the last little while, but uh, it's definitely one of those ones that's been lost in the shuffle, and it's another you know. Because there's there's so many of these quote unquote marquee events now. You want the stuff in the Middle East and uh, stuff in Japan and uh, going over to the UK and stuff like that. Just a lot of these stuff get it gets lost in the shuffle because there's so much going on. And I think that Survivor Series is the, one of the casualties of, of that. That just they run out of ideas or, or what's going on there. But uh, it's definitely not what it used to be when we first started watching. You're definitely right. It is not. Now I come to SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. I I still see it as one of the big events of the year. Mm-hmm. When they're doing promos for it, they're building it up as the yeah. event of the summer. Mm-hmm. They're doing, uh, you know, three days before, they're, they're making sure that there's an access. They're making sure that there's meet and greets. They're making sure that there's all of this different stuff that's going on revolving around the SummerSlam pay-per-view and the area that they're in, just as they did no. 16, 15 years, I have to say 15 years ago, not 16, but 15 years ago mm-hmm. when SummerSlam was in Toronto, Yep, the wife and I went. Yep. It's going to be there again and, this year. Yep. And that's where it is this year. Yep. And they did access. They they had stuff at the, uh, the former Ontario place. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was even an impromptu chris jericho fozzy concert that yes. happened yep. like it was just it was a spectacle mm-hmm. and I, I i still feel like it definitely is because of those things that they're doing and how they're 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 billing it as the event of the summer could there be something more 
sure, there always could be, right? Yep. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I I think that it's I think it's working. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you clearly <laughs> don't see it that way. Yeah. So I want to hear your opinion on this. Give me your opinion on both SummerSlam and Survivor Series. Well, so for Survivor Series, we we already kind of uh, hit the points there. Where I think that that you know they lost sight of what that event was all about. They're starting to get back to it now. We'll see what happens with Survivor Series this year. Well, with SummerSlam, what I think really damages it is one of their other products that they do at the same time, and it's when they do now that they have that NXT Takeover usually the night before or two nights before, and they blow it out of the water. And then everything that happens after just feels, I won't say insignificant, but pale in comparison. You know, I, I think that you, you you almost tone it down a little bit with the takeover thing so it's not outshining your big show. I, I think they shoot themselves in the foot when it comes to that. Okay, yeah, I can I can definitely see where you're coming from there. And definitely. It's, and it's not to take anything away from the NXT stuff whatsoever, but when your supposed minor league show is blowing your major show out of the water, arguably, but with a lot of people's opinion there, that's a problem. Yeah, I, I could see that. I so, can see that. So that's the thing, is that uh, they should be using TakeOver to kind of build to the main show, and then, then you really blow out of the water with the main show. So I, I'm curious to see if they can do that this year. You know, Maybe they can come up with some kind of defining match to define SummerSlam, like Royal Rumble has the Royal Rumble match, Survivor Series has the traditional five-on-five. Maybe something can be invented for SummerSlam to be that kind of defining match or moment that happens at that show, too. Maybe that can help um, build that up again. Now, question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that if, because we know that this year at least, SummerSlam is going to be in Toronto. Yes. So if NXT were to come a week early Mm -hmm. and do a show in Toronto, and that's their Summer Spectacular, that is the NXT TakeOver SummerSlam edition or whatever they want to call it. Yep. And then you've got that week period before SummerSlam happens. Mm -hmm. Do you think that could be a good way to go to maybe give a little bit more to the uh, SummerSlam pay-per-view as opposed to having it the night before? No, yeah, I I agree with you 100%. I think that's a great approach. You you have that in that way, you know, if they arguably steal the show, quote-unquote, finger quotations, um, you can't see them, (laughs) um, you know, then at least there's some time there for, you know, I won't say necessarily to forget what happened there, but there's a buffer zone there then that, that between that to where, you know, then it doesn't feel like it's overshadowing what's happening right afterwards. So there's that week there for something else to happen or at least a gap there. So it doesn't feel, you know, like, boom, like this just happened. And now after it feels kind of like, yeah, not as good. Right. So there, there's a chance there to, for people to digest what happened, you know, it just, yes. it, it works on a lot of different levels to go with that approach. I definitely agree. They should do that. Perfect. We agree on something. Yes, perfect. Yeah. Awesome. All right, cool. So, one thing, another thing we can agree on here is we're going to take a little bit of a break here, and we're going to come back with our Showstopper segment. And this is another pretty br- uh, big, broad topic here, because it looks like WWE might be venturing away from the PG era, and uh, we're going to talk a bit about that when we come back. 
Tired of mainstream media lies and deception? Need a hard dose of reality? Put on your sunglasses, swallow that red pill, and tune into London Rising, your epic mix of music, news, and freedom. Tune in weekly with me, your host, Gunstar Hero out of London, Ontario, Canada, as I mix up breaking news, hard-hitting commentary, trigger warnings galore, and eclectic epic slate of unforgettable music tracks including metal, punk, classic rock, country, and even some hip-hop in for good measure, only on the Podbean Network. Alright guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel back here on Turnbuckle Talk. Yes we are guys, and we are at that magical part of the show that we like to call the Show Stopper Segment. Yeah! We have a bit of an interesting one this week, Carl, because recently it does appear as though, I guess you could say in a large part, thanks to Paul Heyman being uh, more heavily involved in things, that we might be venturing out of the PG era and into a bit more of a quote-unquote extreme or less PG era. Uh, What do you think about this uh, supposed switch, if it even happens? I mean, this is not set in stone by, by any means. Could this help their product going forward, or could it end up actually hindering it in general? I am going to answer your question with a question. Okay. How many times have we heard, we want the Attitude Era back? Lots. Lots. If they give us even a hint of Attitude Era, would you be happy? It depends on how it's executed. I think that that's the important thing because I think that if they try to mimic too many things that happen or try and copy th- things, it could just become a parody of what the Attitude Era was. That's where I think it could be a problem. Is if they try, if they try not to be, if they're not being original and they're just trying to rehash old things, it'll just become a parody of itself. And. I think we're we're kind of seeing a little bit of that already. I guess you could say, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I I don't I haven't fully been able to dissect and listen to this, but I guess mm-hmm. from the Extreme Rules pay per view, um, uh, I think I is, know what you're going It is said that Renee Young dropped an f bomb. <laughs> Did she ever? Um. I need to listen to it a little bit more clearly because I don't know if she actually did or not. It could have been something different. Um, um, the wife and I do a little yeah. bit of paranormal stuff, as you know. Uh, as <laughs> Are you suggesting you paranormal know. activity in this case? No, no, no. <laughs> that would no, be no, hilarious. No. What I'm suggesting is that I have listened to a lot of <laughs> audio stuff and yeah. had to really dissect it uh-huh. to to know. So I really have to dissect this to find out. Yeah. But I guess the pay-per-view before as well, yeah. it said that Corey, Dra- Corey Graves yeah. dropped not an F-bomb, but dropped some profanities as well. Oh, yeah. Um, huh. And then we're seeing just other subtle little things like during the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Did you see what they did with, and, and this is going to blow up because people are, are either 100% for this or 100% against this, yeah. Lacey Evans. Ugh. When she got into the ring, yeah. did you see what they did? Uh, I may have missed that part. And- what they did 
is they they took out of my girl Velvet Sky's playbook. Ooh, the upskirt camera. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of because Lacey Evans had bent over yeah. and they zoomed in and then they zoomed back out. It was yeah. it was super quick, yeah. super quick. But people are like, was that really needed? Blah blah blah. Well, that's giving you a little bit of that attitude era yeah. coming through, and then even the back of her 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 outfit mm-hmm. had Seth on it. Oh, subtle little things like that that are kind of going. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're playing up on this stuff right now. They're really kind of getting back to attitude era stuff that they used to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And we even kind of see a little bit of that with, with Velveteen dream down in NXT, which is phenomenal. I love yeah. it. Love it. Yeah. And even, uh, Kevin Owens did a kind of promo as well. Um, at extreme rules. And that was very much, uh, well, not necessarily non-PG, but it, it was very aggressive and very mm-hmm. non—you um, know—something you expect to see on the Disney Channel or something. But uh, a obscure reference there, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a very edgy, very in-your-face promo. Definitely like seeing that. Like I said, where it could be dangerous is if they try and copy things that happened back in the Attitude Era. That's where we run into trouble, and, I, and it, it could end up being an issue if they go down that path, which I, I totally see Vince doing. That's the problem. Yeah, but I honestly I think I think right now, okay, so we we've got we've got Eric Bischoff. Mm-hmm. Okay. As much as people want to believe that Vince McMahon has the hate on for Eric Bischoff, yeah. I am pretty sure that Vince McMahon is going, Eric, you were a creative genius. Mm-hmm. You nearly beat me. I have mad respect for you right now. Yeah. And that's why Eric Bischoff is in that role right now. Yeah. The same with Paul Heyman as he did with ECW. He created a revolution mm-hmm. with ECW. And I think Vince kind of sees that and realize that and goes, I have mad respect for both of you. So I'm going to loosen up a little bit yeah. and bring this stuff to me. And if Vince goes, no, 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 we need to change this, I think these two are going to go, Vince, think about this for a second. Yeah. I don't think that either one of them are going to have a timid approach to it at all like some of the other writers and stuff would. I think we're really going to see Eric and Paul going in there going, Vince, that's crap. Yeah. We're not doing that. No. Here's the direction we need to go. Yeah. And really standing up to it and to Vince McMahon. So I think we're going to see some positives, I think, out of that. I hope so. And especially on the the production side of things, I mean, you have a guy who's been doing that for a while now with Eric Bischoff in the television production role. What's interesting with that, too, and uh, I didn't actually insert it as a topic, but there was quite a bit flowing around about this before Eric came back to WWE this time. He was supposedly on the verge of claiming bankruptcy and he was in a really bad financial spot there. And even his own admission there was like, you know, I need to learn more about this role before I fully take it on as well. So too. So, you know, props on him uh, for, for that and not just diving head in without any knowledge. So yeah, yeah a bit of an interesting angle there. Um, yeah. Uh, but he's obviously, you know, with that, the production things we've seen a lot in WWE, of uh, you know, the commercials or, you know, the uh, pitcher and pitcher during entrances and stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff Eric's going to go, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> That's stupid. Yeah. That's a, it's a stupid thing to, you know, to, especially during a wrestler's entrance, that's supposed to be, you know, you're 
your presentation to the crowd and you put them in a the little picture and picture thing and have a commercial playing, Eric's going to go, no, that's stupid. We're not doing that. Right. And that's exactly what I hope happens. I really yeah. do. Because we see that stuff way too often yeah. now it, it, during entrances, during matches, we'll have a huge signature move happen in a match and nobody saw it because yep. they had this little screen yep. up top and this big commercial for Snickers mm-hmm. playing as the main focus. Mm-hmm. Like, no, come on now. And I think yeah. we're really, like you said, yeah. Eric Bischoff really, really kind of honed things and has has that 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 mindset for, for this stuff. Mm-hmm. I think we're really going to see Eric Bischoff going, Vince, that's crap. We need to change this. <laughs> or the, these times we've heard these things at the, at the at the live tapings and whatnot, that you know, an entrance will happen, and then they'll just kind of go dark and leave the wrestler staying in the ring, go to a commercial break and come back, and then turn the lights on and turn the music back up again. Like, it's just, it's so, like... Not maybe not so much for for the uh, the audience watching at home, although it's, it, that'll feel a little disjointed too. But for the people there in the arena, that, that's got to be a really strange kind of feeling when you're sitting there just in darkness and nothing's happening, <laughs> right? <laughs> Especially considering yeah. how long some of these <coughs> raw shows are. Yeah, I, I mean I can't speak to any of that because I've actually never been to a taping of Raw or yeah. SmackDown live. Uh, I haven't been to actually any television taping shows no. uh, with it with the WWE or any other company. <laughs> I've been to house shows. Yep. I've been to a pay per view, mm-hmm. um, and that's really about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't speak to that stuff to to actually tell you how it feels. Yeah. But I'm sure it feels really odd mm-hmm. to to be just be sitting there in darkness, going, "Yep." Um, Okay, so yeah, we're tying. Okay, yeah, it's been like three and a half minutes. Uh, yeah, I guess maybe the commercials might be done in like another thirty <laughs> seconds yeah. here. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So where are you from? <laughs> Pretty much, like yeah. talking to the person next to you now. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it would be awkward. It, it, w- it would definitely be, and, and that's something that. Uh, yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, an experienced uh, TV producer like Bischoff can help these things from happening any longer because, uh, I mean, for a company that's been wrong and, and been on TV as long as WWE has, we shouldn't still be having these problems with AEW. There's going to be some growing pains there. I totally get when, if they're, when, and if they're going to have some of these issues, that's, it is what it is. But when you've been at this game long enough now, you should be pretty good at it now. So WWE, get yourself together so we can get back to enjoying your programming, please. Now, I want you to fully answer that question because I, I, I think that I really have. Mm-hmm. If the WWE does go with a non-PG approach and a more Attitude Era-ish approach, mm-hmm. do you think it's going to help the product or do you think it's going to make it worse? If they go with the full-on extreme or Attitude kind of thing, like I said, it's all in the execution. If okay. they if they come up with some original ideas, it's... It, it, it will likely help them out at least. You'll, you'll get some people tuning in to see some of the stuff. If they try and reenact or try to rehash too many things from back in the Attitude Era, it will work against them. It's all going to be in how that's executed, and that will dictate whether it'll work or not. Perfect. All right, Carl, that wraps another week here for Termical Talk. But before we go, let's make sure and talk about our sponsors. As you guys heard at the beginning, collarandelbowbrand.com 
If you guys follow us on our social media, there is a link for you to click that takes you directly to collarandelbowbrand.com. There are some new merchandise drops that just recently happened. They've added more stuff to their clearance section. And guess what? You use our promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout and you will get yourself 10% off your entire order. Whether it's the new drops or the clearance merchandise does not matter. Both Big Joe and I today are wearing our collar and elbow brand mirror t-shirts today. And as always, I got my collar and elbow brand hat on. Everywhere I go, I'm representing collar and elbow brand. Make sure you go there and use that promo code. If you're a vapor like myself, I got two places for you to go. Locally here in Sault Ste. Marie, go and check out Silly Rabbit Vape Shop where you can get a discount on all your vape juice and your hardware just by going in and mentioning Turnbuckle Talk. If you forget the name that you need to mention, I can tell you that on the door when you go into the building, there is a Turnbuckle Talk logo sticker right there. Go in and mention Turnbuckle Talk and get yourself a discount on hardware and juice for your vaping needs. And if you want to get some awesome flavored e-juice shipped to you from the United States of America, check out HypeCityVapors.com. Use promo code JKPODCAST and you will get 15% off your entire order when you order from HypeCityVapors.com. And of course, to listen to the podcast, you can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and a lot of those other podcatchers. We uh, show up on there as well. And of course, we are proud to be part of the Roar Network, powered by the grillposition.com. And of course, we are happy to be part of the HTM Podcast Network. Lots of great content out there virtually every day of the week. That's right. You guys do not want to miss any of that that happens. Go and find them on social media as well, just as you would for us. For us, go and check out at TV Talk Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we have links there that will take you over to the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network stuff, as well as there's different links and shares for the GorillaPosition.com Roar Network as well. Make sure you go and check out all of the amazing networks that we're on because the other people on these networks are just as good as we are and put out maybe not as good a content as we do, but they put <laughs> out good content. Make sure you go and check out everything happening around the networks. Specifically, you had mentioned the grill position. Uh, make sure and check out uh, Kim Artlip's Women on Fire um, article she did this week about uh, social media and uh, trolls and whatnot. A really, really good read. I just wanted to make special uh, reference to that one. Make sure and go read that one. Excellent uh, work from uh, from her. Definitely. You will not be disappointed by anything that you read from Kim Artlip. Absolutely. All right, Carl, that wraps it up for this week, and we'll see you guys on the next one. See you real soon. Hey, this is Kim Artlip from Ignite Wrestling, and you're listening to Stone Carl on Turnbuckle Talk.